I'm gonna take a sip first. Would it be cool to have the ice clink in the background? That was ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. There's no ice left in your cup. There's no ice in there. Okay. Welcome to episode nine of the Not Salty Podcast. This is the Deep Creek Lake area self-proclaimed number one podcast. I'm your host, John Bell. And as always, I'm joined by my good friends and co-host, Mike Fenton and Kristen Skeevers. In this episode, we talk to our friend, the ski legend, Mike Doble. We learn how Mike's love for skiing led him to start SkiSoutheast.com and ResortCams.com, which turned out to be the first TripAdvisor-type website for the Mid-Atlantic Ski Region. Mike schools us on snowmaking, and he explains how there is no such thing as fake snow. Then, he drops the bomb on us that he spends his summers eating bologna sandwiches on a 75-foot yacht. If you're into skiing, if you like drinking Blue Moon, you don't want to miss this one. And here we go. Uh, this is the week after, this is the first of the year. So, yeah. first of all, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Did everybody have a good Christmas? <laughs> good holiday? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm glad it's over. It's just, it's so much in a small period of time. I'm ready to, like, get back to real life. It is stressful. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I love Christmas. Christmas is great. New Year's is great. But it is stressful. There's so much going on. You've got normal work stuff and family stuff. And then when you've got kids and buying presents. And I, I can't, my wife takes care of all that stuff. I kind of, <laughs> I'm I'm equally as surprised at what my kids open on Christmas morning as they are. It's, uh, it's kind of a me joke too. around the house. Um, right. Well, imagine being the wife, guys. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thank, I'm, I'm glad women exist. I, thank you. I'm, I'm very feminist. <laughs> um, hey, so... Uh, uh, Kristen, did you get everything you want? So I'm leading into a question. I, I have everything I've ever wanted in my life. I got a new pillow. Did you really? Yeah, well, so I've, I've, Kristen and I on one of oh the previous God. shows, <laughs> we were talking about pillows. And uh, I'm very picky on pillows, or I don't know. We, we try to get the right pillows, and apparently we both have the same issues with them. Tough. So it hasn't come in yet, and nobody bought it for me. I actually bought it for myself. So it's, it's supposed to get here on January 5th. I'll let you know. But it's called a Sutra Sleep Pillow. My goodness. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Wow. Uh, I love Christmas gifts that you buy yourself. I have quite a few of those. That's what Mandy and I did this year because we agreed not to buy any Christmas gifts. And she was like, That's a horrible hey, idea. You, you still need to buy her something, even if you agree with uh, that. Lesson yeah. learned this year. Yeah, no. Jesus. <laughs> Would you get married <laughs> last week? That's <laughs> already out the bag. <laughs> I also got you guys hats, but I forgot to bring them. I'll bring them to the next episode. Uh, we, uh, uh, My wife's dad is technically not Hawaiian, but he grew up in Hawaii. So uh, we get to spend Christmas at my in law's house in Hawaii, which was pretty nice. And, uh, Obviously, this is the not salty podcast. When you go to Hawaii, everything out there is about salty stuff. So I got you both salty crew hats, <laughs> and uh, I forgot to bring them. So Merry Christmas! Yeah, thank we you. just got you uh, beer and hugs. Beer well, and hugs. I'm, I'm good with beers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Mike, drop <laughs> no, the hugs. Hugs too. Hugs too. I'm good for showing up. If you guys send me a hat. <laughs> There you go. We we have it on the do list. We talk about it all the time. There will be some not salty hats coming out real Swag. soon. I'll get so, you some uh, ski southeast hats. Yeah, all right. we'll switch. So yeah, we are go. here today with Mike Doble. Uh, Mike, I'll kind of let you introduce yourself. Um, once again, we have a guest or uh, who is more experienced with podcasts than we are by <laughs> far. And. Uh, Thank you for agreeing to do the show. If you have any uh, pointers, let us know. We, we take criticism very 
positively. I don't. Uh, but to even introduce you, uh, you are the owner of SkiSoutheast.com, SkiNC.com, and ResortCams.com, which our cam at the Wisp is hooked and to your website. In the Creamery. Or hooked to your website. Um, That's right. So yeah. you have a pretty much lifelong career in skiing and promoting skiing. Uh, well, it wouldn't be lifelong because that means I will have been doing it for 70 years. But when did you start um, skiing? I, yeah, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> That's right. I started in my early 30s, uh, moved up to Western North Carolina uh, from uh, Columbia, South Carolina. So I've certainly been doing it for half of my life, at least anyway. Uh, but yeah, love it. It's, you know, Kristen's a skier. She's out at least, you know, from what she was telling me, hitting the trails. Uh, at least once a week and oh, yeah. you know it gets its hooks in you and and it definitely got its hooks in me uh 35 40 years ago so we find that um i was trying to remember the other day i don't remember the first time i went skiing um i maybe skied once or twice and then i got into snowboarding and then once i got into <laughs> snowboarding i was hooked it was just it was just all i wanted to do on the weekends oh, yeah. and uh you find that people who like it it's it's a lifelong sport so you have been to wisp before you've been up here before oh yeah several times all right, so I know all these resorts are your clients. Um, Wisp, <laughs> Wisp is your favorite, right? <laughs> Wisp is definitely one of. Yeah, they certainly are. Um, and that's not a political answer. <laughs> I was going to say that's very diplomatic. It's one of them. <laughs> there's several. Well, there's only there's only sixteen in Southeast and Mid Atlantic. But you go up into Pennsylvania, there's a few more. Um, but yeah, I mean, Wisp is as I was telling you guys, kind of in our um, informal. Uh, off camera, you know, a few moments ago we were talking about it. It's uh, it's very similar to where I am here in uh, Avery and Watauga County, Western North Carolina. Uh, Garrett County is, you know, hiking, biking, whitewater rafting, golf, skiing, you name it. And uh, Myers is similar. So, yeah, it's a favorite because of all those things. And, and uh, certainly uh, I, l- I love everything about it. Lori has been uh, really good to me, and we try to – uh, get up there myself and and uh, my girls, my daughters, and my wife, and uh, we love skiing at the Wisp for certain. And that's important to all the ski resorts. Uh, <clears throat> I was recently riding around with Mark Fisher, uh, the Pacific Group, and we were just talking about ski resorts and everything. And we were talking about what do you do with a ski resort in the off season? You know, and it's it's very important for these resort owners. You've got to draw tourism in the summer times too. And uh, I forget what his quote was, but uh, we were like, "Why is golf so important? Why are uh, adventure sports so important in the in the summertime?" And he's like, "It's almost like adding another shift to your factory. Like if you think of you if you own a factory and you're running one shift, that's ski season. If you can figure out to run two shifts and have the summertime fun." that's adding another shift to your factory. And uh, it was a great explanation on that. It, it kind of explains why if you're going to build a resort, you need to do it in an area where it's cold. You need to have mountains, and you also need to have off-season draw too, which which Garrett County definitely has. And it sounds like the area where you live does too. Yeah, you guys even more so. I, I say Garrett County is uh, Western North Carolina, boom, banner out, blowing rock on steroids. Uh, <laughs> Garrett County is a, a bit uh, more grown up and out. Um, and so our area is a bit more, uh, when you, when you come to this area, this is about the only thing you're going to want to do is hike, bike, whitewater rafting, whatever. Um, you know, it's, it is interesting though, cause what you're saying about mountains, what they can do outside of ski seasons, the one, um, I think major advantage and difference, um, that the WISP has is, um, that they, I think they have more traffic in the summer, you know, with Deep Creek Lake and the vacation rentals and, 
all the other adventure things that are available to to them than they do during the winter. And bear in mind, ski areas like Catalucci and Maggie Valley or Beach Mountain in Western North Carolina, Sugar Mountain, uh, even Massanutten uh, in Virginia, it, they're really only three seasons. You know, there's the fall leaf gawkers, obviously, and that's why resort cams is so popular. <laughs> um, and then there's the ski season. Um, and, and then, you know, you, if you're lucky, you get a good summer, but summers are pretty short, you know, on the mountaintops, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Summer. Well, we like summer. So I worked at Wisp for five years, and it's amazing. In the winter, people would come. So I worked at the Mountain Coaster. What's up, Coaster Crew? Um, and people that would come in the winter were stunned that the resort was open in the summer. They were like, I can't believe mm. you run this in the winter. And it's like, yeah, well, we're open year round. And they're like, you're open yep. in the summer. And it's like, yeah, I, don't I mean, know it's amazing. Kristen, you might know this better no, than I do. I don't. But, uh, I, I just I guess our winter tourism and summer tourism here are about the same. I think it's just, they're pretty um, dead even. What we notice is in the winter, people are here for shorter, uh, shorter durations. Three days. Yeah, yeah, like in, in the summer times when family come here to go to the lake, they go, the kids are out of school, they stay all week. We notice in the winter time, people are here Friday, Saturday, and go home Sunday. Yeah, um, on the weekends driving around, it feels like summer. Like oh, yeah, it was busy. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Which is great because if you're yep. a skier <laughs> and you can work your work schedule around it, the best days in the world to go skiing are weekdays. Oh, right? 100%. Um, so uh, your true skiers get to know the schedule. Yeah. Absolutely. So how did oh, you, no uh, when did you f open uh, your, your website, skisoutheast.com? When did you start that? Um, 1995. Uh, was the first season uh, that we did at that time what was pretty much exclusively covering the uh, four major North Carolina ski resorts. Um, and then I mentioned Joe Stevens earlier. Um, Joe is, um, he, he does a, a column every week called Snow News is Good News. Um, <laughs> and he's cool. a really good marketing guy. If you're ever going to open up a ski area anywhere, you know, not just in the southeast of mid-Atlantic, but anywhere, you'd want Joe uh, to jump in and kind of be your mouth. You know, he'll get out there and, and promote it. He's all over, you know, Jim Cantori and Paul, Paul Goodlow and all the guys at the Weather Channel and, and Murgo, you know, up in uh, Pennsylvania, et cetera. So uh, to make a long story short, I started it then and then branched out to covering all the Southeast and Mid-Atlantic. That's how I got hooked up with Lori and uh, the Wisp and uh, been doing it ever since. And, you know, we've grown it to uh, – Last year, uh, you know, year around, of course, resort cams is certainly, uh, you know, even if the ski resorts aren't open, resort cams are live and running. Uh, we have them at lakes. We have them in marinas. We have them all over. Uh, but between resort cams and Ski Southeast, we have about 27 million unique visitor sessions wow. a year. Yep, 82 million page views. Um so it's really grown, um, you know, that, that website, of course, now it's branched off. We do weather, as you know, Brad Panovich, yeah. and, um, we've got 110 meteorologists that use the live cameras and yeah, pretty much every television station, um, that you're familiar with and that you're not familiar with. Uh, and of course the weather channel, uh, picks them up and pushes them out, not only on their national network, but on, uh, on Facebook, you know, pops live as well. So. Well, we've had about a thousand listeners, so uh, <laughs> if you want to put a plug on your website for us, we'd be all for it. Oh, yeah, we'll go from a thousand to twenty-seven. Just, you know, make sure, in fact, I tell you, give me, uh, make sure I get a copy of the podcast. 
I'll pop it up live and put it on there. Let there people listen go. to it. It's oh, coming. Okay. Listen, if we didn't have webcams with resort games, we would after that. You, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Kristen, you definitely know this. I believe our webcam spot on our website is our most hit page. Like, yeah, it's one of our, it's one of our top five. Yeah. So what do, do people, people log on to see what's going on or they yeah. just want to like see the, like, well, both. So, I mean, the way that we use webcams at, like as a company, so we have a webcam that faces Wisp. What I really liked about resort cams was, you know, when we said we want two webcams, they looked at Wisp and they said, you should do these couple views. So the webcam jumps from like full out to zoomed in to zoomed in. And then it pans from squirrel cage and face to the train park to the tubing park, and then you get a little zoom, shot of McHenry zoom, okay. Cove, mm -hmm. and then it zooms back out. So it's really cool. So if you're watching it, like you, it moves so you know that stuff is happening. And the one at the creamery is the same. It pans left to right. So you get a sense of movement, and you can see stuff moving All in the year round, right? All year round. So Mike, and everybody's a skeptic, you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're sitting in Washington, um, D.C., and it's raining, and you look at our website, and we're like, hey, it's snowy, come on up. They're like, when, when was that picture taken? Well, yeah. if you log on the webcam, you know exactly what it is. So uh, they, they do a big play. I'll notice myself. I'll be at home sometimes, and I log on to it. Or it never fails if I'm out of town, and somebody talks about the lake. I look at the one that Kramer and show it to them. <laughs> like it just, I don't know why. People just like webcams. Yeah. How did, how I did will you... tell you to kind of piggyback on what you guys were saying. Back in the day, when we first started uh, Ski Southeast and started broadcasting, and resort cams was not an entity of it in and of itself quite yet. But when we first started it, the reason that I was inspired to do it, um, and it was and it was funny too because in, in the beginning I kind of had a love hate relationship with the ski areas they had a love-hate relationship with me <laughs> mainly because on our website we were promoting noble ski reports right you know we were saying you know don't listen when you call up at <laughs> xyz resort when the person that answers the phone says come on up the skiing's fine <laughs> and you drive five hours to get there only to find mud and rocks you know to screw up your skis that was a commonplace thing and and so when we started getting the idea of no bull ski reports and then uh, finally figured out, wow, you know, we can show these bad boys live um, and, and started kind of growing that side of things. Uh, man, it made a difference. And even the biggest um, complainers, and I won't name names right now, but out there with the ski areas, the, the people who said, please don't show, don't shine these cameras at us on a foggy day. Uh, <laughs> don't broadcast it when it's pouring rain. Uh, don't show it when you see mud colored snow out there. Don't show that. The biggest complainers became the biggest uh, proponents uh, of resort camps because they finally figured out that more people will log on and make short notice skier visits sure. because now they could look three days ahead and go, damn, man, you know, it's been 70 degrees here where I live, but there's snow on those bad boys and, and they'll take off and go. So um, that's the biggest reason we kind of did it. And, and obviously it's turned out pretty well. It's a lot like TripAdvisor for us, like uh, the vacation rental industry. When TripAdvisor came out, we were nervous, you know, because you can get on there and say what you want to say about it. And um, obviously every day is not sunny. Every day is not perfect snow conditions. And we were nervous about TripAdvisor. But you're right. It helps people realize that it's real. Like, no, nobody's perfect. If you log on to a website and it is always sunny and this house is always perfect, probably it's not true. But uh, the resort camps actually show you the real deal. Right. Yeah. There are four or five ski areas in our region uh, that routinely on Facebook feeds and on their website will show the most pristine, most beautiful powder being flipped up in the air by a skier or snowboarder. 
every single day of the ski season. And as you guys just said, man, that's not reality. Yeah. Uh, it's not always pristine. It's not always perfect. But the good news is because of snowmaking quality and capabilities and every single skier, including the West Bend and, of course, you know, the uh, sister resort Wintergreen, you know, in, in Virginia, uh, they have invested millions and millions of dollars on snowmaking equipment and the crews and, and how to farm snow now. You know, they make these big wells of snow and uh, they can push them around. They can go grab snow just prior to this Friday, uh, they can grab snow from different places around the mountain up there uh, and push it around. And, and so because of that, uh, the web cameras uh, can show more of a, you know, here's a realistic view. If you're thinking about coming, I got a, an email today from a guy who signed up and says, when is Brad Panovich going to give his next drop <laughs> for the ski, uh, for the skiers forecast video? Uh, because he's thinking about riding up and going to snowshoe this coming weekend um, and I just told him, I said, you know, it's always Wednesdays or Thursdays because he doesn't want to get too close to the weekend and blow it. But um, make a long story short. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely helped people, I think, plan those uh, last moment trips. And I think you even said winter traffic, you get these two and three night stays other than the holiday week, you know, Christmas to New Year's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have MLK, you have President's Weekend uh, outside of the Christmas to New Year's week, which a lot of people don't know this, but with the Chris, and of course, I guess you guys do because of, of Rayleigh. Uh, but man, you know, 50 to 55% of the skier visits that hit Wisp and hit every ski area in the region, uh, 50 some odd percent of that traffic is that Christmas to New Year's crowd. And then you throw in President's Day three or four, four, four day, three night weekend. Same thing with MLK. Um, if you have those three holiday periods and we have pristine weather for those, the bean <laughs> counters and accountants that all the skiers are happy. Very happy. <laughs> yep. So uh, you are our first guest that's not here live. So thank you for joining us on, what are, what are you on, <laughs> Zoom? on Zoom? yeah. On Zoom. Uh, the audio sounds great. Very and, 2020 uh, of us. <laughs> you, you were kind of our guinea pig, so it worked out. And uh, I guess where I'm heading is kind of a tradition when we first get here, we always have a beer first and kind of talk and uh, get everybody loosened He's up. Got it. Yep. We, we did that virtually with you. I noticed you have a blue moon in your hand, which is kind of known as a skier's drink. Uh, I think every ski bar you go to in the world has blue moon. And um, in that warm-up interview, we were talking about snowmaking. And snowmaking is very important. We were, we were goofing around about if you're going to get in a business where you bet on Mother Nature, that's a very risky business. Mother Nature is a finicky beast, and it might be cold or it might be sunny, or she, Mother Nature is going to do what she wants to do. And that led into a conversation about the WISP's snowmaking capabilities. And uh, you kind of picked on us a little bit, which was funny. We said it was, uh, I forget what we said, fake snow or blow snow. Blowing snow. Yeah, blowing yeah. snow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you corrected us. It's not actually blowing snow. Uh, give us your little story on that. Yeah, well, the short version is um, <laughs> after a good natural snowfall that God lays down, sometimes there's good heavy wind. So that if there is such a thing as blowing snow. Uh, but skier is don't blow snow. Cocaine dealers do. <laughs> um, ski resorts make snow. There was a joke I was looking for. I, I needed to bring that back into the podcast. <laughs> But no, ski areas, uh, they manufacture snow, they make snow. And another misnomer is that it's fake snow or it's, or it's uh, you know, it's uh, artificial snow. Fake snow or artificial snow is that stuff you can buy from Walmart in the plastic bags that you can throw on your Christmas tree mm-hmm. or under the Christmas tree. Um, this stuff's real. You know, they, they, 
blast it um, with, you know, very fine granular nozzles on these fan guns and they throw it up in the air. And if it's cold enough, it lands as snow. And the reason it's a bit stickier is they, they haven't quite gotten as good at it as the, the man upstairs. So <laughs> um, it, it's still now, I will tell you during that week or so that we had the temperatures that we did, um, it, you know, wisp, I, I looked a couple of times, it was like minus 13, minus 14 degrees. And when you have that kind of temperature, the champagne type snow that snowmakers make at Wisp and all the other ski areas, um, man, it's it's equivalent to powder out west. Oh, we yeah. just don't get that 14 degrees below zero hell of a lot. <laughs> so uh, the snow tends to be a bit stickier, that's for sure. It is something to talk about. Most people call it fake snow, but it is not. Yeah. It is real snow. It's just man-made snow. Yeah. Yep. It, yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, I asked the question before we before we started about it's sticky because when the snow guns are running and you're going down squirrel cage, the snow's a little sticky. Sure. And like you're going really fast and then then you're not. <laughs> like you get yeah. stuck in it. And it can it can it can do a Charlie Brown routine. Yeah. It, down, yeah. it turns greens to blues that, really that's fast. Why yeah. <laughs> that's why the snowmaking crews are made up of men or snowmakers and then the groomers. And, yeah. and because these guys come in behind that and they can lay down some amazing corduroy uh, and they can take mashed potatoes that happen one afternoon on a warm day. And the very next morning you've got, you know, 38 or 40 degrees. Uh, they can, they can make that to some phenomenal skiing surface for sure. And these are legit jobs, like legit, very uh, risky. Yeah. Like um, I've never done it. I'd really like to, maybe they'd, <laughs> maybe they'd invite us to do it, but um, riding the snowcat up a green slope would be one thing to groom it. I've always wondered what it's like to ride that snowcat up face. Like that's gotta be, it's gonna be fairly intimidating. I have a, I have a friend that's a snowmaker. Um, he was on the coaster crew with me. Um, but he'll send me snaps all the time at night um, of them making snow. Yeah. And in the snowcat and everything like that. And just huge shout out to all the groomers because. And it's 2 a.m. It's negative so, 2. It's, it's dark. all overnight. They're so underappreciated. And I'm super guilty. Like, why the heck hasn't Squirrel Gage been groomed yet? <laughs> no, I hate those whalebacks <laughs> and those muggles. Well, but I will tell you. There's a rhyme uh, and reason. Yeah, I will tell you that their their job is they're working hard when we're sleeping, no question about that. But man, they've got some fantastic stereo systems in those cats. <laughs> <laughs> and they are warm and they are dry and they are loving life when they're driving up and down that mountain. Send this podcast you to your friend and listen to it while you're grooming. Mm. Yeah, I'll give you a little hint though, because of this show that you guys are doing. Take advantage of it. You know, pick up the phone and buzz them and just tell them you'd like to do a feature. Um, and, and trust me, you'll have a ride. I've, I've ridden snowcats at cool. most of the ski resorts in the region. Um, and there is nothing like you mentioned Shay's revenge earlier. There is nothing like you, you ride and I don't know how to do it except to appear in the air, but you're riding <laughs> along on a groomer, you know, horizontal. And then the next thing you know, man, the front end of that bad boy just noses down because you're all of a sudden going down the face or you're going down gravity or, or some, some other trail. Um, and there, there is no feeling like that weightlessness feeling of all of a sudden you're going, am I, I going to make it? But thankfully they have tank tracks under those bad boys. So they're really good. You keep telling yourself, I'm not the first person to do this. I'm not the first person that's going to be okay. Right. <laughs> that would yeah. be cool. Maybe we could do a show while we're in a snowcat. Uh, I've never, right. I'll never forget the first time I saw one. It was at It'd nighttime a bunch of bad at words. the Wisp. And I saw, I look up and. Uh, Colin over at National yeah, Empire yeah. is like, he's like, you know what that is? I'm like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> You're like, I'm from I'm, Jersey. Yeah, yeah, what is this? It's flat the first, New Jersey. The first, the first time that I went to Wisp 
uh, wasn't long into doing uh, the website. So I, I was kind of a novice at it a little bit, but at the hotel, you know, at the Wisp hotel, we were uh, put up in a room that was facing squirrel cage. You know, we were right there and I got up early. I'm always up early doing the snow report, but anyway, I got up early and, uh, zipped open the windows and I'd never seen this before, but Wisp is really cool about, it. they've got equipment like crazy. They had four groomers in tandem, kind of one behind the other, behind the other, behind the other coming down squirrel cage. And, and I'd never seen that before. So, uh, yeah, yeah, try to get them to treat you because they will. They 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 love taking we people. We could all rides. have our own snowcat. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and we can race. And there is a lot of science. Why not do the race? <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a ton of science and engineering behind it. I was thinking when you were saying that my first trip to the Wisp would have been. I was I was in the Boy Scouts and we came up here and it was probably early '90s. And I don't know, I remember it being nice, but uh, if you take early <laughs> 90s through 2023, the technology just comes so oh, yeah. far. Like I remember, uh, just remember as a kid, like the early 90s snow guns were these round things that had a hose plugged into them and they blew snow. And now it's, there's a huge science behind this. The reason they make the whalebacks is, uh, you guys probably understand it better than I do, to, like you said, farm the snow and push it around the mountain. It's uh, there's There's a lot of science, a lot of money involved, and the WISP is very good at it. Well, that's what that's what Steve Green was talking about with the whalebacks. Yeah. They, they let them sit so that the water, yeah. I guess, sinks and it makes better snow, right? And then they push the push. You'll the top notice layer sometimes on. they last. I mean, they'll last up in April. Like you'll oh, notice, yeah. like on a big <laughs> snow mound up there on a big whaleback, it'll be the very beginning of April. Like, oh, I still see a little bit of snow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> one one thing that a lot of people don't know too is that ski resorts never ever close. Well, shouldn't say that. Rarely do they ever close because of a lack of snow. They they close because of a lack of skier interest. Oh. Um, so so they do. You're right. They have snow on the slopes up until May and June at some of the higher elevations uh, because that snow has been packed. And as you said, there's some wells around the mountain or whatever. But um, but yeah, they're, they're, a lot of times there'll be snow on it, and they could easily ski if the skier interest was there um, at Wisp and and all the skiers in West Virginia, Virginia, Tennessee, and North Carolina. Uh, even into Pennsylvania to some degree. A lot of people don't know that we have a lot higher uh, elevations here than you guys do up at Wisp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here, here in Western North Carolina, we're over 5,500 feet. Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's that. 2,000 more than our highest point. And I think the top of Wisp is only 2,900. Is, it, is that is that yeah. running through is that running through the Appalachian Trail area? Is that because I know there's a high point there, right? Yeah, the App Trail, of course, over towards Mount Mitchell. You're right. There's mm. there's even higher. It goes up to over six sixty one hundred feet, I think. Uh, the top of beach is fifty five hundred and six feet, uh, and they have about a twelve hundred foot vertical uh, snowshoe. Is at forty eight forty eight. I know this because I've been doing it forever. But <laughs> uh, snowshoe is forty eight hundred and forty eight feet, and they have a vertical of fourteen hundred feet from top to, to the bottom of Cup. Uh, so there's some good vertical around here. A lot of people don't know it, but Man, if the skier interest was there, um, you could keep skiing until the end of April at most of the skiers. I'd say half of the ski areas um, in the region uh, could ski all the way to the end of April if there were skier interest. It's just hard when weather turns 
turn 70 and people think in spring cleaning and now it's time to start getting the jet ski ready or, you know, go hit the golf course. Uh, hard to convince people to go ski. So even mother nature tricks you. It's never <laughs> time yet. You always think that like yeah. it's, it's one of my favorite and least favorite days of the year. And it always happens. There'll be a day in the springtime when it's nice outside, there's still snow and you snowboard in a short sleeve t-shirt yeah. and you get a sunburn and it's awesome. Right. And you're like, Oh, this is great. Then the next day you think I'm going to put the jet ski in. Yeah. And then it snows for three more weeks <laughs> well, and, and the resort's closed. <laughs> first year I moved here, we had snow in June. Yeah, there you, you know, go. Was so. well, that 2018? 2016. Oh, okay. Yeah. 2018, we had those four, and I only know this because I was in Hawaii. Um, my first time visiting my sister. She's stationed in Pearl Harbor. Shout out people in the Navy. Um, and I was in Hawaii during the first Nor'easter, and it was March through April, and we had four in a row every single weekend. And I think Wispet already closed because... They normally close at the end of March. And we had these crazy winter nor'easters through the whole month of April. And it would have been insane skiing, but it's hard to staff a mountain when you plan. You plan for December, January, February, March. You don't plan for April. So, I mean, it, it is really hard for them, even if you had the skier interest, to extend it just because of staffing. Well, they they bring a lot of staff in from out of the area, too, right? Yeah, to help, that, so. that, too, yeah. And once, but, once they I mean, leave, we what are do, you going to do? Every, like, every couple years, there's an April that's like, eee. But how do you bet on that? Mike, exactly. you, said, um, you cannot, no. You can't. Mike, you said you actually have meteorologists on your staff that put stuff on the website. These are highly educated, <laughs> probably the best trained people in the world for it. They don't know. Like, how are you supposed to guess? Like, uh, there's no way to guess. Well, from what I'm understanding, talking to Brad, because he's chief meteorologist with NBC News Channel 6 out of Charlotte. They have a, a listener base of like 10 million people. He tells me that secretly, honestly, even though he went to the University of Ohio for meteorology, that they actually go in a back room. They've got a pretty cool dartboard. <laughs> <laughs> they just throw darts at it. And whatever hits, that's what they talk about. Oh, that'd be like but a magic eight ball. Shake it. <laughs> yeah. No snow. Yeah. If, if Brad listens later. to this, if Brad listens to this, he's going to be very angry at me. Uh, <laughs> well, Mike's- no, um, you know, I, I, I say it all the time. I've written about it a lot. Anybody who owns or manages a ski resort, um, man, compare them to riverboat gamblers. I mean, they really are. Um, you know, there's, People like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the name Chip Perfect, but he's a he's the guy who, he owns a ski resort out in Ohio called Perfect Slopes. Is that his real name? Perfect. I guess his birth name his is, name Chip, is Perfect? Chip Perfect. He is wow. Mr. Perfect. That is a cool name. Good <laughs> for him. He really Big is shoes. Mr. Perfect. His daughter Paige and Mr. Perfect, they they manage and run Timberline Resort over in, in uh, Canaan Valley, Davis, West Virginia. But anyway, all they, of these guys. They're the guys people who just bought it recently? They're the new owners of Timberline? They're the new owners of Timberline, yeah. Wow. So they they ran the ski resort in Ohio, saw that Timberline was up for sale and, and in a bad way, and jumped in. But, I mean, if you look at just the previous year, Timberline had a, a, a chairlift collapse oh, yeah. with people oh, on it. Yeah. 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 They had all sorts of lawsuits because of water pipes bursting everywhere. To come in and invest the kind of millions of dollars that Chip and the, and the perfect family uh, uh, have done, uh, they are. They're very much like riverboat gamblers, but the same could be said for all the management teams at Snowshoe, Canaan, Timberline, all, you know, all over. Uh, Winter Place is under a new general manager uh, this, this year. His name is Josh Faber. Um, and, you know, he's come in with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of passion. But, man, it takes that, and then it just takes – 
sheer luck or, or lots of prayer and fortune because again, man, it's just like tossing the dice. I mean, you, you sometimes going to get it right and sometimes you're not. Mr. Perfect, we're coming. Um, <laughs> I had planned on making a Timberline last year, and I didn't make it. It is on the to-do list this year. Oh, we, the three go. of us should go. I want to go so yeah. bad. Hit white um, grass, too. I've heard about yeah, we hit no. white grass on the way down there and do some of the boring cross-country skiing. White grass is pretty good. <laughs> um, they had five inches of snow on the ground. I was there this past week, and uh, they still had five inches of natural on the ground. And uh, it was in really good shape. Of course, like I said, the slopes were awesome. Uh, yeah. When you go there, pencil this one down. You need to ski on the, on the um, slope called Twister. Yeah, uh, it's about a mile. Yeah, yeah I've been on it. Yeah. Wait, at, at White Grass Twister? No, at, at Timberline. Oh, okay. At Timberline. What were you saying, Kristen? I said, uh, yeah, I went to Timberline for the first time last year, and okay. my sister and I did every single slope. Um, and I really like Twister. It goes around the side, right? It's a blue yeah. to the yeah. left. Yep. So you did Thunderstruck? Yeah. Yeah. So well, we did, see. we did, um, we did everything. He's a lot um, better than she gives her credit for I it. I know. <laughs> um, so there's two double blacks and I'm, I'm yeah. blanking right now. One was moguls, which is not my forte at this point yeah. in my ski career. The other was groomed and it was freaking awesome. But we did both. We did everything at least two times because Timberline is like the perfect size where you can do everything more than once. Like you have plenty of time. It's a smaller resort, but the terrain is freaking awesome. And we went in February. No, we probably went in January. And it, I mean, it was awesome. Like the lodge is super cool. It's so amazing what they did with Timberline. And what I heard so many local people say when Timberline shut down was that that is the best natural terrain around. It's such a shame. So mm. I think it's so cool that they reopened. That was my first experience was last year, and I had an absolute blast. The high-speed lift is, like, clutch. Love it. <laughs> I could well, have to even remark on that real quick because yeah. a lot of the ski areas, I think the next big investment that you're going to see ski areas do, uh, because, it's you know, snowmaking equipment's always going to happen every year. They're going to, you know, put more in. Uh, they're going to buy more piston bullies, you know, uh, everyone, every time that they buy a new piston bully, it's 65 to 90 grand. So just think about the investment. Yeah, Wisp, there. Wisp just bought a new one this year. What is that? I don't know what it is. It's a groomer. It's a groomer. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's like the brand. Yeah. It's like a, the, like a Lexus. Okay. So again, <laughs> when, when you complain about ticket prices, they're yeah, expensive yeah, yeah. for a reason. Right. <laughs> well, that, that and that riverboat, you know, I mean, there's a lot of times where, you know, some seasons just don't tally up quite like others. I just mentioned this real quick though, with that, with that investment, I think the next big investment you're going to see with skier is is what um about a quarter of them already have done and that is the rfid um, pass system yep. where you've got the card in your jacket you just walk through the gates open uh, they also have automated Dude, those gates, things are so, great you just oh, go nice. right through it so nice yeah, yeah. and they also have automated gates so as soon as you step no, nobody's having to scan or look at your ticket or you're just yep. on and in this past week what would you guess the wait time at Wisp was at the bottom of the mountain at the, um, at the busiest peak of Christmas week. What do you think the wait line might have been? At least 45 minutes. I have no right, idea. So I skied five days at Timberline from the 26th through the 31st. I turned in 34 miles of skiing. I wow. skied 42,000 feet of vertical. Um, and I did that because the longest wait line I ever saw at Wisp during those five days was an eight minute wait at the bottom of the mountain. Um, three out of the five days that I skied, I skied right up to the chair and got on. I never had a lift line. 
So those RFID systems and those automated gates is a way for them to speed up. They don't have to scan a ticket two or three times to see if it's valid and let people through. So that's going to be your next big investment that you'll probably see. But I got to ask real quick, because Kristen, you were talking about skiing and everything. (laughs) So you skied off the wall and the drop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of them wasn't, uh, gosh, I have pictures. I'd have to pull my phone out. Yeah, I did (laughs) both. Pictures or I won't believe it. I know, no, no, I know. I do. uh, Trust me. She's got selfies coming down. I have pictures. Um, Whichever one. Well, hold on a second. I keep asking for photos out there on the slope. (laughs) I know. This is last year. Hold on. Hold on. I keep getting these. He's obligatory looking off to chairlift over. Oh, I want no. people in him. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm too shy for that. But uh, let me, let me, let me, let me find some pictures and I'll let you know which one. One, the first one to the left was moguls and then the next one was groomed. So I want to say over the edge was groomed. No, that's the wrong. That's wisp slope. Okay. Hold on. It's well, off you're- the wall. Off yep. the wall. While you're pulling that up, uh, Wisp has that RFP thing that you're talking RFID. about. RFID. RFID. <laughs> like, and it's, it's super cool. Like, there's a pocket in my jacket. You put that right in it. You walk right through. And I didn't know where you are going that, Mike. But um, used to, 10 years ago, on a big holiday, there was a line all the way down at the bottom of Squirrel Cage where you'd stand for 45 minutes and whatever. You're right. I didn't think it has really sped that it's up. So Nowadays, nice. you're in line for 5 or 10 minutes max on a busy day. I actually when went you, out west, when though. you combine an RFP. FID with the automated yeah, gates. Absolutely. When you combine them both, uh, man, you just, you barely need lift operators. And one of the things you guys were talking about a while ago too, with uh, you know, with with um, staff, is every industry is having trouble right now hiring people. You know, people that just not the level of, of people out there going wanting jobs. Um, and then the J one workers, the international workers, as you say, they pull people from outside of the region, you know, because of COVID that didn't crank back up until just last year. All right. I have my answers. Yep. The drop was groomed and off the wall was not. So just for Mike's purposes here, (laughs) we'll send them to you. Oh no, I see I, it. I'm there at the doing? job. Now, hold I, on, hold on. Were you hold smiling? Were you smiling? So were you just standing <laughs> there by the side down. and then you skied around and went down yes. Salamander or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just got right to Salamander. No, we did both. My sister is um she's a level two ski instructor certified. She's in, what? Nice. She's incredible. She she does all the backcountry. Um she lived in outside of Seattle and she's done like these crazy like backcountry experiences. So she, and she's my older sister, so she makes me do stuff I don't want to do all the time. Very good. And that includes skiing double blacks. So when we were out west, she was like, you're going to do this slope. And we will tap our poles together, and she makes me go down it. So when we were at Timberline and that one was all moguls, I was like, mm-mm. And she's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, what's so cool is about off the wall where you were talking about the double black, literally you can walk 25 yards to the top of Salamander, and it's very similar to the the hardcore greens that if you're facing the mountain at the Wisp, off to the right that they added a few years back, uh, those greens are, some of them are, are hard to ski because you don't have enough speed to make it through the flats. You no, almost have to yeah. cross country. And they're kind of narrow. Um, I mean, I think that that's like- That on a snowboard. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. It, it, it is, you're right. Uh, that's well, why- that's, very similar to that. You gotta get the speed is, is that's miles why, That is why you ski. Uh, I don't know. Um, well, so you just started, I'll get my timeline mess, mixed up. 
Kristen, uh, two or three years ago, four years ago, you were going on a ski trip with your sister. Yep. And you just started skiing three or four years ago? Well, so I skied a ton as a kid. Um, like, as any anybody that grows up in a ski town, I, my, my parents taught me when I was, like, five. But when you – I didn't learn a lot of technique. Yeah. So I grew up skiing. I bombed every hill. I just went super fast. I just went with my friends a bunch. My parents just dropped me off. I had that's when Brenda's Pizza was in the lodge at Wisp, <laughs> and I had two slices of pizza for like dinner. <laughs> um, and anyway, so then I took a break as I like was in high school. I moved away and I came back when I was in college. I was working at Wisp, and all of a sudden I'm taller. I'm going really fast. I'm super aware that I could break every bone in my body. So I kind of lost all my confidence, and I didn't have the technique to fall back on. At this age, it's actually worse, but Correct. good for, good for gaining confidence. <laughs> right. <laughs> so my goal a couple years ago was I wanted to, like, go out and ski, and I wanted to learn the technique and kind of get my confidence back. So that's what I did. And I basically, Mike, you don't know this, I actually planned a trip to Alaska, and I was still skiing blues, and Larry Smith actually can attest to this. I literally was in tears trying to go down Ace's Run at Wisp. The the oh. year that I went to Alaska and <laughs> skied double blacks, I was in tears because I just had no confidence. Like, you need a good teacher. You need a good system. And I'm just so thankful. Your wife, Noelle, Noelle and I went all the time. I went with Larry Smith, with Rachel Brooke. Like, I, I, I found a lot of really good friends that helped me get my confidence back. And now, yeah, now I'm doing double blacks. And I went out west. And I'm probably going out west this spring. And... It's really awesome. Yeah, that, just, that's why skiing is so awesome. I, yeah, I just texted though. Mike the photos. <laughs> <laughs> Pixar, it didn't happen. That is me on off the wall with moguls. No, it's like a love <laughs> form as you were approaching the, the moguls. I saw that. That's pretty cool. Okay, good. 99% of it is exactly <laughs> what you just said is a good attitude. Be ready to yep. fall. Be ready to laugh at yourself. Most importantly, be ready to get back up because you're going Absolutely. to fall. Yeah. And then confidence, too. Like I remember that one time uh, it was with uh, Lee Rayleigh. Jimmy, Lee, and I went out to Park City and we. We were in Park City, and Lee had me hike up some bowl that was way above my skill level, and uh, I, I, I just kind of sat there, and I froze, and I was like, man, I don't know what to do, and uh, Lee just made fun of me for about five minutes, and I went, and I did just <laughs> fine, but uh, I needed him to make fun of me for five minutes, and uh, and and to his point, too, he was like, well, what are you going to do, walk back? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> But uh, once I started going, I was fine. It was just getting your head. Oh, yeah. Whatever you were going through at the top of Aces Run, that was yes. nothing compared to what you went to out west. Right. And uh, But the point is, by the time you got out west, you got over that fear. And uh, I'm not going to say it's all the same. Uh, I'm taking some nasty spills. But it's the commonest level. You gotta, yeah. and that, That's part of the thrill of it, too. Like, yeah. Oh, um, you yeah. Know, totally. Hopefully you don't get hurt too bad. Right. <laughs> if, oh, I can, yeah. if I can inject this real quick, because I know yeah. we're coming up against the time. You guys are probably going to want to wrap up. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on here, but I'll, I'll just mention <laughs> something to you real quick. This past week, uh, we had a young girl from Latvia uh, that was in our group that came and skied with us. Um, she was uh, 15 years old and had never skied before, and ever. So um, my group pretty much assigned me to take her out for the very first time, and uh, we learned some of the basics. And it was kind of cool because... It reminded me, first of all, January happens to be the the learn to ski and snowboard month. Mm. So this is the month that you're going to introduce somebody to the sport of skiing. Uh, this right is the here. month you want to try to do Right it. here, right in the Welcome studio. A lot of skiers also will give him some sweetheart deals to get him out for the first well, time. No, like, me and John are his sweethearts. Next year, yeah, Mike will be here talking about the backflips and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say real quick, skiing is not meant to be hard, and, and it's not meant to be, hey, I'm going to go do it because um, the rest of the group's doing it. It's meant to be doing it because you actually fall and you have a passion for it. Mm. 
uh, this young girl from Latvia, her name is Vladi. And what was interesting was, as I was out just kind of coaching her through the first ropes, you know, you do the stereotypical pizza and, yeah. you know, you start getting her set up to side slide because we went down a couple of blues, which are very difficult for a very, you know, for a brand new beginner. And, you know, what I was trying to get my point across to, and I'll just share this with anybody that watches your podcast. If you're thinking about skiing, just pick up those very, very few basics of the pizza move, the side slide to get down a hill. Make sure you know how on a green, how to turn left and then also turn right. Uh, also knock him down one time and make sure he knows how to get up and put his skis on and that you have to turn your skis away from yeah. the mountain, you know, from away from the hill. Once you learn those very basic skills, then the mountain actually becomes your playground, you know, and until you get those skills, it's really not fun. I mean, it's kind of hard work, but once you have those skills, I mean, it really isn't, but once you get those skills, the mountain kind of becomes your playground and what you start doing is what Kristen just talked about. She starts looking for where can I go over a Volkswagen size mogul because yeah. I can, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what the mountain's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a playground. So when you're introducing people to the sport, make sure that their, their mindset, right. And, and it's not out there. There's no fear. You know, I'm just fall down. The snow's not that hard, you know, and if you do fall down, you're going to slide 50 feet or so anyway, so it's not going <laughs> to hurt you, you know? And there's no better feeling either. Like in snowboarding, the same thing. When you first started, I remember I'd learned how to leaf drop. And I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't all that much fun. And then all of a sudden you learn how to actually go back and forth and toe and heel and you actually go down. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're surfing. And you're like, this is amazing. And then you just keep going. <laughs> and uh, to that point, too, as long as you learn the basics, you're going to have fun. Learn the basics. It's not going to be fun the first day. You learn right. them. Then you have a great time. And just stay in control. Like the only time I've ever been actually hurt is if you get out of control. Right. Um, now, sometimes you push yourself too hard and do it on purpose but that's part of the sport too yeah my top speed this past week was 48.7 oh my god how cool is that that garmin's tracked that these days you used to have to guess now you actually know that on gopro and you can also do it on an app it's called slopes i was just about to ask what app you use so use slopes use slopes it's better there used to be another one i forget but slopes is the best okay Um, it'll tell you everything you want to know all your all your stuff and in fact if you actually go Kristen. On Ski Southeast, I'll try to post it there tomorrow, but there's a uh, video of uh, skiing down um, Upper and Lower Thunderstruck. Okay, know, Black yeah. Diamond. yeah, yeah. And um, I've got all of the telemetry on that live video, so you can watch the skiers in front of me and me, but then you can also see all the telemetry where you're showing elevation drops, the slope angle, oh, that's so uh, cool. and your speed as you're going along. Yeah, I mean, my speed's probably 20 miles an hour at the absolute cap. But. Well, it's not about speed, <laughs> no, right? No, it's about no for me, it. I, yeah, I'm I'm working on finding for all of our, for Before all GPS, 10 of our listeners. Lie, like, hey, I was going 100. <laughs> right, yeah, for all of our listeners, I'm working on finding my edge earlier. Um, and completing my turn, so that those are my skills this this year. My neighbor, uh, I can uh, tell, I can tell by your stance <laughs> on uh, these you just shared with me. Uh, you're pretty good. That's good. Oh well, thank you. I, it's my sister and a bunch of friends. <laughs> I talk about him sometimes, or actually quite a bit. But uh, my neighbor has a son who's really athletic, great skier, and we'll go out sometimes. And I was on Squirrel Cage with him last year, and we wanted to race. And I wanted, in my defense, I was on a snowboard, and he was on skis. In his defense, I think he's seven. I'm not really sure how old he is. <laughs> but uh, my watch clocked it, and I don't think I was going 47, but I was around 40 or 42, and I thought I was flying. This little kid just bolted right past me. I have no idea 
how fast he was going. But uh, now he didn't. I mean, I was I was in control and I was turning and I was yeah. riding like normal. He bombed down Squirrel Cage oh and gosh. I was going around forty. He had been going fifty, um, and it was. <laughs> I was like, Noah, you win. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't keep up. Kid with me that uh, was. He's only been skiing for three years. I've been skiing for thirty five or forty. He topped fifty six. Oh my god! Same trail that I did forty eight point seven. So um, just think about you're yeah, going man, down a car and going forty seven. Appreciate you guys having me on, and and uh, it's awesome. Hopefully, we can do it again. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a quick plug. Hundred um, oh, percent. Please, please, do. please plug yourself. No, we're we're not short on time. If it, I mean, we can keep going. Yeah, well, it's not plugging me as much. I've got a really good team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do the snow report and and do the writing on the weekends and holidays. I've uh, got a good crew that does it, you know, the other five days of the week. But uh, Ski Southeast, you know, for the snow report, uh, we've posted something like 17,000 uh, snow reports and stories over the years. And we've got, you know, tens of thousands of photos from every single resort. We post videos. Uh, now we're pulling, you know, GoPro video. We've got cameras now and microphones. Now you're talking about going out and, doing an interview or, or a groomer run uh, now with the wireless mics and stuff that you can clip on. Um, you can get them. Uh, you can go on YouTube and look them up, but uh, you could be out on the slopes and with just a decent, um, you know, connection, internet connection, a decent bit of cellular, uh, you can do your, your audio, you can do video and everything. So <laughs> kind of a different time when I, when I first started it, I was begging skiers to send me photographs. You know? <laughs> Please send me photographs now. Uh, every single day. I mean, we're we're getting you know fifteen hundred or so photos a day wow. uh, from skiers all over the the region. So, uh, but yeah, skisoutheast.com. We also have a message board on that website. It's up at the top link. There's a link there called Community. Uh, it's pretty vibrant. It's it used to be even more vibrant than what it is now. Um, but, uh, there's a message board there where a lot of hardcore, uh, skiers are on there, a lot of snowboarders. Uh, you can also look at like lost ski areas, which is always very interesting. We have to log on and see skiers that have long since been closed, oh, uh, cool. that were around the state, uh, around the Southeast mid Atlantic. Uh, and then of course, resort cams. Um, that's my baby. You know, started that long, yeah. A long time ago. And we have hundreds of cameras <laughs> now we've got them in. Kane Garden Bay, you know, in British Columbia, Virgin Islands. We've oh, got them. cool. It's so awesome. Yeah, we've got them pretty much everywhere. But we do that. We also have, I'm not sure, it might be McHenryMDWeather.com. It might be WispResortWeather.com. But we do weather content on there, too. And I know you're in the vacation rental industry. Check out HighCountryVacations.com. Uh, we push a lot of vacation rentals on that website for all of the skiers because people are all the time questioning us, you know, where, where can we stay? So thanks for that ability to plug and appreciate being on your podcast and, and uh, maybe we can help grow your audience. I'll try to plug you a little bit, make sure I get a <laughs> bit of raw feed and we'll try to plug it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'll send it to you for sure. Um, uh, thank you for promoting the industry. Thank you for having me get it out there. It's obviously something we love and, uh, we're very glad uh, people like you exist to help promote the sport. Um, if you've got one more quick second, we always ask every uh, guest this. 
Have you been to the local bar called the Honey Honey? Have you been to the Honey Honey before? I have not. I, I was afraid that was going to be your answer. <laughs> and uh, so we always ask our guests what the best story is. So you, you don't have one there. So next time you make it to Wisp, let us know. We'll watch Kristen go down face yep. and uh, Michael meet us on the bunny trail on the other side. Yes. We'll all hit the Honey Honey and the beer's on us. <laughs> the Honey Honey. I can't the honey, wait. Honey Honey. You got to go after skiing. Beer's on us.